0: have saved as like a special name in your phone or does it literally just say uh, Felicia Cox
1: it says Felicia with a red heart emoji
0: oh okay see I didn't do that (laughs) my wife is literally saved as Melina Reichardt in my phone
2: like there's no like how romantic
0: yeah Well, welcome back to this week's podcast. We are excited because uh, we had a, a slew of information get presented to us um, in terms of questions and things that you guys have been coming up with. Y'all been kind of stopping us and, rem- and letting us know that, hey, we enjoy listening to it. And for us, that's encouraging because at least we know that two of you out there are listening, <laughs> um, at least on a semi-weekly basis, hopefully. We try not to advertise too much. We're, we're not big on self-promotion um, but we do encourage you, uh, if you get a chance, go back and listen to the episodes. Um, we're hoping to have some interviews coming up um, these coming weeks, especially as we get closer to some certain events and things like that. So uh, be looking out for that. And uh, but we're just excited. Today, we've had several questions come in through email. And one of the questions dealt with uh, how we as ministerial staff relate to the Sabbath. And that's kind of a fun word, I think, for us in Baptist life. When we talk about Sabbath, we usually kind of uh, reduce Sabbath down to like, you know, depending on what service you go to, 830 or 11. And then if you happen to wake up in time for Sunday school, like that's your Sabbath and then then you're done. Um, But there's so much great history when it comes to that and then understanding the idea of rest. And so, um, which is kind of perfect because Travis has already done a little bit of study on this. So he's got some good thoughts as it relates, not just to Sabbath, but also how it has transformed a little bit over, over the years in church history. So this won't be an exhaustive approach, but hopefully it gives you an idea of what Sabbath is. And then we're going to vamp a little bit on that and talk about our, um, our experiences as ministers when it comes to Sabbath. But, uh, but today's episode is actually brought to you by a, a sponsor, uh, I guess. And that's Costa Rican coffee. Um, we, we did, (laughs) I roasted some up and I was really impressed with it. And so I was like, Travis, we have to try this. And so sponsor with no pay sponsor. sponsor, It's a sponsor with no pay whatsoever. Um, but But it it is, is, it is a good coffee. Yeah, it's a good coffee. It's a Costa Rican. It's really good. Uh, I think the Ethiopian that we have on Sunday mornings, I'm still tweaking it a lot, but it's getting better. I think every week. Yeah, I think so. And the Guatemalan is doing much better. They don't like the Guatemalan for some reason. I like the Guatemalan a lot. Yeah. It's got some bitter notes, but I think when it cools and it kind of simmers in your mouth, it really has some good flavor. So
1: It's got like one of those like semi-sweet chocolate.
0: Oh, yeah. You need like a Hershey's bar with it. Maybe that's what we should do. We're going to (laughs) start pairing strawberries and Hershey bars on Sunday mornings, and then you guys can drink coffee with those, and you'll really see what we talk about. Um, but coffee pairings is a neat idea. We should do a coffee pairing. That'd be fun. Like just for, just for our people.
1: We could do that at the live event if we ever do one of those.
0: <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. That's one of the things we talked about is a live event for our coffee hour where we actually set up all of our equipment and let you guys come in and uh, have coffee and then maybe even ask questions on the fly and test our knowledge or lack thereof. Um, so who knows if you're interested in that, let us know because I think, seeing people's interest would help us kind of go, okay, well, let's do that. But uh, other than that, we're going to talk a little bit about Sabbath today and what that means. So Travis, I'm going to kick it off to you, man. Uh, let's talk about general overview of what Sabbath is, what we what we mean when we are saying Sabbath.
1: Yeah. So that's an interesting question, right? What do we mean <laughs> when we talk about the Sabbath? Because I yeah. think most of us who grew up in the Bible belt, like regardless of your denomination, Sabbath meant you, if anything at all, you go to church on Sunday. You maybe don't work on Sunday, yeah, or at least you limit it to like housework. Yeah, maybe don't no, no maybe take a Yeah, and that's about it. Like that's that's the exhaustive <laughs> Bible Belt definition of Sabbath. And uh, I don't know when this episode's going to release, but we're recording this the week after I did my sermon on hope, yeah, and God providing hope and. Uh, You know this, but no one else will know this, that I was originally planning on doing one called God Provides Rest and talking about the Sabbath. And the more I studied, the more I realized how controversial of a topic this is. And I don't know about you, but I feel a certain pressure anytime I'm behind the pulpit to be able to say like, no, this is what this says. Yeah. Not here's a whole bunch of ideas on what this yeah. may or may not be. <laughs> uh, you know, go study it for yourself and then yeah. determine it. So uh, when you were in Arkansas and I was, you know, diving deep into the study, I was like, maybe I should change my sermon and we can talk about this in a podcast. So <laughs> then we got that email saying, hey, talk about this in a podcast. I was like, great. That's yeah, this is how, perfect that timing. works out well. <laughs> um, so if you heard that sermon you heard the story of me passing out when I was 26 right and I talked about you know I was taking full-time grad school courses at the seminary I was working two jobs at the time and just super super stressed fast forward a few months I'm done with seminary had moved back to Nacogdoches and before I even started ministry like I was already burned out not necessarily of ministry but just in general like I had been burning the candles at both ends, staying up super late. Like sometimes we'd be at Target till two A. M. stocking shelves, and then I'd be up at like five A. M. for the coffee shop. Yeah. And I was just exhausted all the time. And I wasn't doing that per se anymore, but like I had just pushed myself for the last couple years and was at that point, um, I think this was when I had started working at the bank and uh, you know, I was thankful for god's provision through that time but it wasn't necessarily a job that was super life-giving or that i just enjoyed all the time and um one of my friends who kind of just saw where i was at in life gave me this book called the ruthless elimination of hurry by john mark comer Mm -hmm. and um i will say that i recommend this book yeah but i also want to have a disclaimer that i will recommend books that i have disagreements with yeah (laughs) so my recommendation does not mean I agree with everything in this book. There are at least two, maybe three things that I outright disagree with. Um, but I would say that 95% of the content in this book was super helpful for me at this time of like near burnout. Um, and he starts off having a conversation with um, John Ortberg, who's a mm-hmm. pastor and author out in California. Yeah, um, And Ortberg was mentored more or less by dallas willard Mm -hmm. and um ortberg had a conversation with willard at one point where he was asking like what do i need to do to be the me i want to be so at this point he was already pastoring but he was still not necessarily satisfied with where he was at personally spiritually and uh willard's response was you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life wow and he was thinking like that's a interesting response like that wasn't (laughs) a thing that I was thinking I needed to do more of Um, but what Comer says kind of the idea was like we are so busy as modern Americans and I think this has intensified since that conversation which would have happened in the probably late 80s early 90s Mm -hmm. Um, so you know with the advent of the internet and working from home and smartphones and email like work doesn't just end at the office like for most people work carries over yeah it's yeah. it's almost 24 7 yeah so um but just that idea of like if you want to change who you are as a person one of the things you're gonna have to do is just slow down and realize like what all is happening in your life like where's your time going where's your energy going where your finances going etc so that starts um Comer off in this book and he talks about how um, he started a church plant when he was like early twenties mm-hmm. and it sort of just blew up in the Portland area and he got to the point where they were doing six services in a weekend. Golly. I think one was like on a Saturday night, but like five more on Sunday or something like that. Mm-hmm. I may have that a little wrong, but six services in a weekend, like my voice gets tired after preaching twice. I, mean, I can't imagine doing a, that six yeah. times
0: within a 48 hour period. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're doing the exact same message. Your band is doing the exact same songs.
1: Yeah. And so this church just sort of blew up. He's still young, trying to figure out how to do the whole mega church thing, even though that wasn't necessarily what they were going for at first. And uh he he talks about how he burned out. And one of the things that sort of brought him back into a more spiritually and emotionally healthy place was various spiritual disciplines. Yeah. He was very influenced by Dallas Willard. Willard wrote a book called The Spirit of the Disciplines, Mm -hmm. which um, is one I think we could both recommend as well. Oh, yeah. Um, But one of the disciplines, so this is just like one of the chapters in that book of Comers that I referenced at the beginning, is on the Sabbath. And he's a big proponent of the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. not just as something the Jews did, but as something we do. Yeah. And not just like he doesn't just mean go to church on Sunday try not to work. Like he has a much fuller definition now. Um, he would also say that we have to be careful because we can become like the Jews and become really legalistic about it and stuff. And you know, there's too far on the other extreme as well. But, uh, one of the things that he talks about that I had never heard growing up in church. And I grew up in a great church, love my pastor, um, still have a good relationship with him. But one of the things that I had never heard was, the Hebrew word Shabbat, which is where we get the word Sabbath. Um, I knew that it meant something along the lines of to stop or to cease, which is why we think of it as rest. Um, But there is a whole part of this conversation, and this is a quote from Comer's book on page 155. He says, The Hebrew word Shabbat means to stop, but it can also be translated to delight. It has this dual idea of stopping, but also of joying in God and our lives in his world. The Sabbath is an entire day to set aside
0: uh, and follow God's example to stop and delight. Well, that's, that's kind of like the phrase we use a lot. It's is just kind of a uh, like a term that you hear people say, just to stop and smell the roses. I mean, we talk about that too. The essential design of that statement is to say, take a break and delight in something other than, you know, what you're going to do. Like take your time to do what you're going to do.
1: Yeah, and I would argue maybe that phrase has its roots in yeah. the Sabbath. So oh, yeah. Comer points out that in Exodus, in the Ten Commandments, the paragraph on Sabbath takes up like, if you were to just like map out all the words, it's like 30% of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Which is interesting for a number of reasons, but it's like, okay, why is this one, this one of the ten So important that it takes up like 30% of the real estate of the text. And then also, it's basically the only one that gives an explanation for why. So like, don't murder, don't steal, like, don't covet. It basically just says the command and doesn't Mm -hmm. really need an explanation. And you could think that God could say, hey, you should also Sabbath one day a week. Yeah. With no explanation. But he does take the time to give an explanation. And it's rooted in the creation story. Yeah. So he goes back to Genesis 1 and 2 and shows the example of God creating for six days, and then on the seventh, he rests. Yeah. And so he argues that the idea of Sabbath is not just rooted even in the Ten Commandments or in the Mosaic Law, but it's actually like woven into the structure of the universe like how we are supposed to operate. Um and this is kind of jumping ahead a couple thousand years, but basically like once the <laughs> church starts, all the early Christians were arguing about like is this something we have to do because we're no longer under the mosaic law. Right. And to way oversimplify it, some said yes, some said no. Um they would say, you know, we don't throw out any of the rest of the 10 commandments, so like why should we throw out that one? Yeah. And interestingly, a lot of the reformers had that view too. Yeah. So the uh, the guys who were pushing back on the legalism of the Catholic Church also said like, no, actually, Ten Commandments or something, we should continue, including Sabbath.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and that's, I mean, I think you still have interesting, there's an interesting push, I still think, even in our culture today to, to see that idea playing out. Because, you know, if we're going back to, you know, we understand Sabbath is a time to stop, delight, rest, uh, and really even... Uh, we understand, remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. So we, we look at that aspect as well. To me, that's not something that only applies to like one day out of the week. I understand the Jewish Sabbath, which was not necessarily like Sunday morning, you know, at at church service or synagogue time. It was, you know, Friday evening until Saturday evening, Saturday evening and a lot of rules. I mean, there were a lot of things around that. So it was, it was so important that God remind his people that they rest, that he put all these rules in place. Like if if you go so much as to pick up sticks during the Sabbath, that's considered work and that's grounds for death. Like you should be stoned uh, for that. So Sabbath was not just a. Which I don't think we should just brush over that. Like no. it was serious enough that if you worked,
1: you were put to well, death. What was we it? see, and I think it's like numbers 14 or 15. Like yeah. there's someone who does work and they go stone them. Yeah, like
0: well, they they took this extremely seriously. One of the major reasons that Jesus was even sent to like the the plot to kill Jesus was even in place was what was it? He was just brushing grain and picking up a little bit of grain as he walked by on the Sabbath. And they're like you you did work. Yeah, there's that one and then
1: there's also the the case where he heals the the guy who can't walk yeah. and tells him to pick up his mat. And what's interesting about that story is there's no set definition in the the Old Testament or the Mosaic law about what is and isn't work like to the T it's something that's kind of hard to define which is also why this is a sort of controversial topic but um, so the Pharisees had made up their own list of rules of like we think this is what it means and one of them I think it was actually the 39th one if I remember right was to pick up your mat yeah so Jesus literally asks this guy to do something that the Pharisees had said is working while they're watching but yes (laughs) so it was intentional but nothing in the old Testament said you can't pick up your mat. Like that was one of their legalistic rules that they added on top of it. Yeah.
0: Um, so anyways, going back to that too a little bit, um, cause I think a good, another kind of good foundation of why this is important to us. Um, y- you and I have similar stories about, um, cause when I heard your story on Sunday, like that was the part I didn't know about you. And so we have similar stories in that because, um, back when I first started here at Calvary, I was here about nine months and I found myself uh, kind of like you, burning the candle at both ends, trying to revive a student ministry, trying to keep things going, um, learning a new town, new people, new job, coming off of being fired from a job and uh, all the stress that kind of comes with that. And then we get here and I remember uh, I was <laughs> there was a period where uh, the coffee pot that we had in the office was like one of the bun ones and it was right across from my office. And so I was just down in coffee. <laughs> like, like I think you don't know. Yeah. No, I think I did like <laughs> two pots a day at that time. Like it was gosh pretty bad. And, um, I slowed down a l- little bit, <laughs> not a much, but a little bit. And, uh, I hadn't eaten all day, did youth ministry, had my biggest group to that point, was real excited, came home, told Melina, I was like, Hey, Let's go to IHOP. Like, let's go get some food. I want to celebrate. It'll be good. We hadn't just, we hadn't but sat down. And I started getting dizzy. And my heart started racing. And I felt like I was going to throw up. So I ran to the IHOP bathroom. Standing in front of the sink in the IHOP bathroom here in Nacogdoches. And I felt like I was just about to just pass straight out. So I said, well, if I'm passing out, I'm not passing out in some janky, nasty bathroom in the middle of Nacogdoches. So I ran back to our booth grab Melina. I said, "Did you order yet?" She goes, "No." I said, "Good. You need to take me to the hospital now." And um, my heart was just racing. It was pounding, pounding, pounding. It was going so fast. And got to the hospital. Uh, had a massive headache, and I was just like, "Oh, I can't do this." And, and kind of like, I thought I was having a heart attack. Like I thought I was about to to have a massive heart attack. And uh, got in. Did the EKG. They did all this stuff on me in the ER here in Anchorage. And uh, they came back. After being in there until about 1 a.m., I said, "It sounds like you have a, a stress-induced headache that was causing all this stuff." I'm like, well, "So what? Just take some Tylenol and go to bed, you know?" Well, that that panic attack lasted like three or four days, and then that set off a whole series of like stress moments. Where like WebMD is your best friend after that. So you spend all day on WebMD diagnosing. Like, I feel funny today. Hey, WebMD. How am I dying today? That's the worst idea ever. Yeah. because then you're <laughs> convinced you have every awful disease ever. Yeah. <laughs> so it 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 took me a while of and and I went to another doctor who had said you are too stressed out, um, and your anxiety is causing this problem, this problem, this problem, and this problem. And essentially, they they he prescribed to me scripture um, to read and prescribed to me um, like some. I think it was. Uh, I don't remember what it was. It was one of those like anti-inflammatory, like keep your gut stable type things. But the whole the whole concept and idea around it was, and he had told me, he said, "You need a rest." He said, "You're you're you're doing too much. If you keep going at this rate, it's going to cause more serious problems." And uh, of course, I didn't completely mind him, and I I continued to do what I thought I needed to do Um, and it wasn't until I went out and sought counseling for myself personally that I began to realize oh I really do need to step back Um, and I I will recommend this people frown on it all the time and they think if you go to seek counseling that you are just messed up sometimes having an outside perspective of your life that can look in and see your life and go I wouldn't do it that way especially from a Christian perspective, which I had a great, great Christian counselor. Um, and to me, had I not done that, I don't know if I'd be in the same spot I'm in now, as not just a minister, but as a believer. Um, because it was, it was pretty dark, it's a, it's a very dark time. People that haven't been through that, they don't understand how dark that time is.
1: Yeah, well that's kind of why I wanted to preach on the subject in general. Yeah. Um, I think it's so interesting. We live in the freest and wealthiest country to ever live. Yeah. But yet, anxiety, depression, self harm, suicide, addiction like every possible uncomfortable or unpleasant or unwanted disorder or addiction or, you know, what have you mm-hmm. are going through the roof. Now, obviously, that was accelerated by the pandemic, but like even before the pandemic, like we were seeing. I think between 2012 and 15, the number of teenagers that committed self-harm doubled. Yeah. Like doubled.
2: Doubled. Yeah.
1: In a crazy short amount of time. I mean like, and you know, there's a whole conversation around social media and technology (laughs) changing things. And like, like that's part of it. I mean, yeah, it's a complicated topic for sure. I mean,
0: we could say, Oh, well social media caused that. Well, that's still part of it then, you know? Um, I I, I, don't, I think that we we sometimes try to blame social media for all the problems. Well, well, that's now something we've introduced into our lives. So that
1: you still have to get to the underlying question of the well, why are you spending so much time on social yeah, media? Like, yeah. are you seeking approval? Are you distracting yourself from something? I mean, there's always a deeper issue. Um, but yeah, so like that's kind of why I wanted to talk about it. Was you know I know I know people who are pastors in third world countries. Yeah. that you know i mean they're dealing with things that we don't even think about like worms in their water that are infecting their whole church or you know like yeah like weird things like a volcano just erupted and burned down half our village like, yeah and and like i actually know people that are literally working through that yeah and it's it's weird because it's like we don't have well you know except for snowpocalypse Snowpocalypse we, is we had, definitely <laughs> terrible we had a little bit of uh run in with mother nature there but like we're not used to suffering in a way that, you know, eighty percent of the world still suffers. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we see all of these other issues coming up, and I think part of it, like, if you ask anybody, anybody at all, how they're doing, like most people, the answer is like, eh, you
0: know, like I, I'm busy but good. Yeah. Or like, good, just tired. <laughs> I, tell know, like, I tell people a lot. I tell people a lot. of like, I'm upright, so that's good. <laughs> but it's like what
1: are we doing as a society Yeah, that everyone's answer in the most free, richest society is like, (gasps) yeah. Like, like you're struggling to be okay. Yeah. Like, what does that say? So anyway, like I said, it's a complex issue. Like every situation, every person's going through different things. I'm not trying to put a blanket answer on anything. But, um, like I said, sort of from my personal story and then when I was reading Comer, you know, I took this idea of Sabbath sort of more seriously for the first time in my life. Yeah. And um, even though I wasn't in in ministry vocationally like I am now, like we were still pretty involved at the church we were at and we were leading different things, teaching different things and um so I knew Sundays never felt like a rest day. Ever. Yeah. So not knowing if this was okay or not, and I guess we should clarify that Christians think of Sabbath as Sunday because that's when Jesus was raised. And so we kind of moved the day of worship from Saturday, how the Jews did. And even that's sort of misleading because it was really Friday night to Saturday night because they thought of their day starting with the evening, mm-hmm. which is totally opposite of how we think of the day. Yeah. But um, so I sort of went back to the Jewish idea and like I said, didn't know if this was okay or not like biblically, but I was just like, I'm going to make Friday night to Saturday night like a rest day, like an actual rest day and so what we started doing was like we would plan something fun to do on friday night and you know that might be something real simple just like going to el ranchero and watching a movie like um but then on saturday mornings we had um two couple friends who would come over and we started doing brunch every saturday morning uh and this continued into the lockdowns when we weren't supposed to be meeting and like when churches weren't meeting and stuff i was like well we need community and we want to have this day of rest and fun. So, like, we invited people from our Sunday school class. And we had brunch every Saturday morning. <clears> and usually, like, there was no agenda. There was no plan. It was kind of potluck. Everybody would bring something different. Cinnamon rolls, bacon and eggs, you know, like, whatever. Fruit, pizza, all sorts of stuff. And uh, Fruit
0: pizza or fruit, comma, pizza? Uh, fruit pizza. <laughs> like, fruit pizza. Not like somebody, somebody rolling in with a hot and ready from the night no. before. No, no, no. It's a thing. <laughs> I mean, I know that's a thing, but... I mean, in East Texas, I imagine somebody said, "Oh, yeah, we didn't finish our little Caesars from last night, so I thought I'd just bring it." No, like a dessert, kind of <laughs> actual fresh fruit. Anyway. There's icing. On a- in my in my head, I imagine I imagine somebody coming over with a hot and ready.
1: Well, none of us, you know, had a ton of money, so that wouldn't be too surprising either. But brunch, <laughs> brunch. Um, but yeah, so. It was super, just fun. Like there was no agenda, there was no schedule. Usually, people would stay at our house till like one or two that afternoon, and we cool. just relax and have a good time with friends. Sometimes we'd have a nap on Saturday afternoon, which uh, I found out in my studying for this. There, I don't remember what the word is, but there is a specific word for like the Sabbath nap. Sabbath nap, and mm. uh, that was a thing. And it was like, um, I would intentionally. Um, like, even now, like, Thursday is my other day off. And so, like, I try to do any yard work, any errands, any laundry, like, anything that needs to be done like that, I try to always do on Thursday. And I still use Saturday as, like, mm-hmm. my day of rest. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we could get into are we as Christians actually commanded to Sabbath or not theologically? Um, there's a debate
0: there, and I can well, I, I mean, could just toss it to you and see what you you think. I've yeah, some yeah, no, yeah, no problem on that one. Um, <laughs> I'm not one, so I'll tell you this: so I have not found a habit or a rhythm in life that allows me to just fully stop yet, and partly because whenever I would be off, that was when Melina would be able to work, especially after we had kids. Um, before kids, I mean, she could do all, this, but once we had kids, it shifted a lot of our home dynamic we desperately, I think in our home, want to create habits and rhythms that allow us to have these times together. Um, but you know, then I get into like, even just last night, you got one kid that's up at one o'clock. Well, there's mom out of the bed going to take care of that. I got another kid that runs in my bedroom at two o'clock screaming his head off. Where's mom? And I'm like, well, I got. so I have to go take care of that. They don't even go to sleep until like daylight savings has messed them up. So they don't even go to sleep till like 10, you know, and it's like, I've got, so you've got these things where you just want to kind of create some time in there. And right now we're, when this podcast released, we will still be in it, I think, but, um, we're in the middle of Lent right now too. And in our family, we do practice Lent. I don't say that we do it kind of like the Catholics or a lot of the high church mentality of Lent but we do try to remove something from our life for like 40 days. And one of the things that we decided that as a family was TV. Um, so we have our TV on like a little rolling cart because that way we, <laughs> we don't have to like keep it stationed somewhere in the house and create a spot for it. Um, so we've got it unplugged and it's like sitting in another room and we've got one in our bedroom, but golly there's been moments where like, we just want to put the TV on. We just want the kids to drown out for a second because I just need to take a nap, you know? Yeah. Um, so for us, it's, for us, it's kind of a hard pick because we would really like to get in a position where we are having those intentional times of rest. You know, if we just had the one kiddo, probably two kiddos, maybe even still, but three now coming up with a a fourth, you know, it just kind of pops out of nowhere. um, We're sitting there going, golly, what is this going to look like? But at the same time, it's preparing us to say, we got to figure this out quick. 'Cause if we continue on the path that we're going. So that's one thing. Just stuff at home. Second thing is churches in and, and I would say Calvary is included in this, but this is like churches as a whole. Um, churches are notorious for burning through ministers like crazy. Oh yeah. Um, and and part of that is like and, and we run into that here too. Um when people want things to happen, but then at the same time they're not willing to lead that out, but they expect it to get done. Well, it's got to fall on somebody's shoulders. Um, and so it, it it's hard because you want to say no. I think a lot of times in ministry, especially as a pastor, you want to say no, but then you feel bad that you didn't do something. or it, it, And at the same time, you're just going, I just want to take a break. Um, like I, I've had a couple people ask me just this week, it's like, hey, do you take care of this for me? Did you take care of this for me? And I'm like, you're in a queue of about 30 other things that I've got to get taken care of before I can even address your thing. And that's really hard because that's that waiting, that patience. A lot of people don't have that. They they give you that suggestion and they want it done right then, right now. Um, that'll burn you out pretty quick. Uh, I, I think that there are, we've talked about it a lot before too. I'm not one of those ministers that can section off my job responsibilities and say, well, you know, 15% is going to be of my time is going to be devoted to this, you know, 15% devoted to this and like, you know, the other 70% will be devoted to this. I have to give each area a hundred percent of my time and my energy because I just believe that I'm supposed to be doing it as best I can. At the same time, you run out of time and energy. Um, So when it comes to like a Sabbath rest, I, I, I can probably count on my hands how many days I've actually had that I've not had to do some ministry related or church related work. I was on vacation just a couple, like a week, a couple weeks back in Arkansas. And I was still doing church work while there because somebody would send me a text, somebody would send me an email, somebody would send me certain things. I mean, I've got a pastor friend here in town. When I met with him, uh, we were talking about emails, and he goes, Oh, I don't even have an email on my phone. And I was like, That's a thing? Like, you can do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's his boundary that he's yeah. placed so that his emails are only answered on his computer at work. He doesn't answer them during the, during the rest of the day. I've always wanted to create a schedule where people know this is when you can reach me. Other than that, you I'm not available. But then I feel like, then you feel like, and this is probably the extrovert in me, you feel like you're not being there for your people when you do that too. So it to me, it's a hard fine line that I'm trying to find a balance in even in my own life because I'm like, well. Well, and I think lots of people will, you know,
1: even if they're not in ministry can relate to that. Like people just have a hard time saying no in general. Yeah. There's literally books on like teaching people how to say no to things. Yeah. And you know, regardless of what your job is, I mean like you might be invited to this club or that club or the, yeah, taking your kids to this or that. And like everyone has a hard time saying no.
0: Well, I mean, think about it as a, as a parent, you know, the baseball game, the basketball game, the soccer games, the softball games, the basket. It's just, it, it doesn't seem to ever slow down. And it, it seems like the more and more that we go, okay, well, we're going to take a break and we're going to take some time. I've seen some families radically do that. In my head, I, and this is probably just me overthinking it and not, and just not being brave enough to actually do it. But I always sit back and say, what would my church people think if I actually took a break? You know? Yeah. So
1: Comer actually, like he had a similar story to yours where he burns out after doing those six services for so long. Yeah. And um, when he started in- introducing like a Sabbath practice for himself, um, you know, like you were talking about your friend who doesn't have email on his phone. Yeah. On Saturdays, Comer turns his phone completely off for 24 hours. He said like, not even my deacons, like no one else on staff, like no one can get in touch with me unless you come bang on my door. Yeah. Like, and if, if something really bad happens over the weekend, like he'll find out about it Sunday morning. But like that is the extent to which now, granted he's also at a mega church where, you know, we may have a couple hundred people trying to get our attention yeah. and he's got a few thousand, but like I still think there's an idea. So so he has this idea about how Sabbath, like I said, he he crowns it in the creation story, not necessarily in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Because the Ten Commandments grounds it in the creation story, right? And so he has this this part of the book where he talks about Sabbath will come to you either as a delight or a discipline. So, like for both of us, yeah, you spend a season burning the candle at both ends. Yeah, you're gonna stop one way or another.
0: Right, most definitely. Like for
1: both of us, it,
0: it ended <laughs> up in the ER. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, and and so his argument is like. God designed us to work in this rhythm. And like, I don't know. I mean, I, I get what you're saying about wanting to be available to your your people. And I mean, I feel similarly, very similarly. Um, I don't think about like my office hours as being like the only time people can reach me. Right. Um, But I do still try to implement like, even if that means... Every other day I'm like running around like crazy getting stuff done. Yeah. So that like Saturday it's like, no, I can actually enjoy and just rest and relax. And, you know, you were bringing up the difficulty with kids. And when we started doing this, Felicia and I did not have Ellie yet. And I will say even with one kid, it is way harder (laughs) than when there are no kids. And so I think there's different seasons of life for sure. Like this is probably the hardest season of life for someone in your situation to actually rest but you know it, c- it doesn't mean like you're just sitting on the couch all day doing nothing like you could take your kids to the zoo and hopefully they get yeah. maybe a little worn out after a couple hours of walking around or you know something that's still enjoyable like Comer's kids are now a little older but like something they do is they have this like massive pan that they do like a whole thing of cookies in and then they like dump a gallon of ice cream on top of it and then they go around and everyone says their favorite part of the week so yeah. it's like thinking back being thankful they pray over this like massive
2: cookie, cookie ice cream. Ice cream. Cake. Yes,
1: and uh, <laughs> it's like just something they do as a family to well, enjoy God's goodness and reflect and be thankful.
0: So kind of like that. One of the things Melina did in homeschooling the kiddos is she just recognized she do homeschool a lot of times in the morning. And and people like oh homeschool like you're not. Te-. My kiddo is able to absorb so much in that personal one on one time than she ever could in a class where she would probably get overlooked just because of her personality. We've always said that she'd probably spend more time in the principal's office than she actually would in the classroom, just because of her personality. Um, but they're usually finished in a couple hours, two and a half hours with school for that day. Um, the rest of the time is the ability for them to be creative. But one of the things Melina began to do after we started homeschooling was there was at 1 o'clock or 1.30 every day, there was rest time and we would bring out these mats for the kids to just kind of lay on. They could have a book. They could have a toy. And they just, we she literally would, would have them there for like an hour just to take a break from the day. And um, to me, I think, golly, that, I, I've even, I'll tell you this, and this is where even my fault, like I have to get past it even in my own sense, but I have at times felt guilty just sitting and reading a book for leisure in my office during office hour, even though it's helping me grow, it's helping me learn, it's helping me gain knowledge, um, I have felt guilty even reading for for a little bit of time because I'm like, well, gosh, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that, I need to be doing this, I need to be doing that, and and um, the idea of busyness because you know one of the one of the themes that we hear all the time as ministers is, well, you only work one day a week, right? I mean, people tell us, that. Yeah. well, you, you literally only have like one day a week that you have to be worried about.
1: Yeah. We're probably told that once a week by yeah. somebody.
0: Yeah. By any individual. And they, don't, they all think they're the funniest. Who's yeah, the only person I, who's ever said it's that. Like, ha 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 ha. I mean, it, <laughs> and granted, are we only in front of a massive amount of people one day a week? Yeah. But we don't have the leisure of just putting that on hold and saying, you know what? For the next couple of weeks, I think we're just going to skip church. I mean, if I, if I came to my church and said, you know, I just didn't feel like coming today, so I just didn't show up, they'd be like, well, you're fired. You know, so it's kind of like, it's that weird dynamic where. Well, and I think, I think a lot of people, especially like for pastors, they have this idea of like, you went to
1: seminary, you know, all this stuff, like you just talk about it on Sunday. And it's like, I still have to study for hours. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, I know the basics, but there's a whole bunch of nuances and, you know, things in the text that you can't get at first glance and like and then you're it takes to, a long time to put even like a youth lesson together that's shorter than a Sunday morning sermon because
0: you have to find points of application like I could I could sit there and read a book and spout off all of the knowledge to you but if you're just sitting there going great I mean people will sit there and go well, how does this apply to me you know that application runs us pretty ragged because we have to look not only at our own lives we have to look at the culture of our community we have to look at the culture of our state the culture of our country the culture of our world we're not just presenting application to say, okay, we'll just do this, 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 and then God will bless you tenfold. You know, and, and we're looking at it and going, how, how we're we're trying to help you every single week shape your worldview, which means we are shaping our worldview, which means we have to have time to put certain things into practice ourselves to see if what we're even like preaching on or teaching on has merit and value. You know, that's why I think Sabbath is such an important thing because again, like we talked about several times, we isolate Sabbath to church, church time. This is our church time. We go to church on Sunday. And maybe you nap. Yeah. I mean, Sunday, I'm not going to lie. Sunday afternoon naps are some of the best naps that you can ever have. Oh, I'm not against it. I love Sunday afternoon naps when I get a chance to get one. But (laughs) the idea that we, we have to, I mean, and then. Like the one day that we claim is a Sabbath, a rest, we cram it with as much stuff as we possibly can. Why? Because that's the only time we get people in the same place at one time. So we cram it with as much stuff. There's so there's really no like rest in there. There's no like fellowship in there. There's no relationship that can really be molded. Like if you're only, to me, even still, and this may be off topic of Sabbath, but if if you go to church with people and you're only building a relationship with them for maybe an hour out of every week are you really in relationship with them you know or, or if you're not at least trying to communicate with them some during the week if you're not trying to be an integral part of their life I mean granted for us as ministers it's hard I can't I can't have a personal one-on-one intimate relationship with 250 300 people every single Sunday there's just no way uh, I can barely keep up with you know three kids and a wife Um. So, but I think that in the middle of that, that's part of our burnout too that we have to be careful of, because we feel that pressure to know everyone in a personal, intimate way, and they also feel like we should know them in a personal and intimate way. And I've had a lot of people that have left our church that have said, uh, you know, I ask them, I say, what's the reasoning? They said, well, I just didn't feel like I mattered to you guys, and it's like.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, I, well that's what I, mean, I, mean, I mean, there's a yeah. whole bunch of work in like social psychology and sociology around that right now. Because especially with the advent of social media, it's like you can have hundreds or even thousands of friends. Yeah. Friends, air quotes. Yeah. Um but it's like relationally what most of the social psychology data is showing is like you can only have, depending on how introverted or extroverted you are, three to five close friends. Yeah and then outside of that you have roughly 12 which is interesting about Jesus's disciples but 12 to 15 like sort of close friends yeah like they're not your inner inner circle but they're also like people you like to hang out with and rely on yeah and then it's like outside of that you can kind of kind of keep up with about 100 to 150 people yeah like very very loosely and like the argument is like before like the modern West, it's like most people just lived in whatever village they were born. Yeah. And it's like your village was rarely above 150 people. Yeah. So we were kind of like used to the certain parameters and the internet's blown that wide open. Right. I mean, the fact that we have churches that are over that. Yeah. Is bizarre. And it's like, you have to have so many staff to know so many people. And yeah, we can't know everybody. Like it's just,
0: psychologically impossible maintaining the organization i think is one of the biggest challenges that we have especially when it comes to rest i think for us as ministers because the the deeper question that we were asked uh which is why we sparked this whole podcast was not just what about sabbath but how does that affect us as ministers like how does how do we get to rest um and i think it really is a complicated answer um because it, it depends on the personality so each, I mean, Travis and I have completely different personalities. Um, Nathan and myself have completely different personalities. Paul and myself have completely, I mean, we may um, be extroverted or introverted, things like that, but the way that we handle things, the way that we um, work through things is all different um, where, you know, Paul's one of those guys, he'll come to your house, knock on your door, he'll sit on your couch, he'll drink a cup of coffee, He'll he'll be there for hours just getting to know you. I'm pretty fine with just sending you a text, (laughs) you know? um, But, but that's, just, that's just me. Like I, I don't mind going to a hospital room and checking on you, but if I can shoot you a text and say, Hey, how's it going? Like to me, that's a way that I can communicate. I, I am, I am here. I am a part. Um, and when the text was so impersonal, now it's just a part of our everyday aspect of communication, like an email or like, Um, You know, things like that. But anyway, so going back to that kind of as ministers, we rest, we all rest differently. And I think even the idea of Sabbath over centuries has been debated and altered and changed.
1: I mean, in the first century, a lot of the early Christians, especially because a lot of them were Jewish, they actually kept the Sabbath like the Jews kept the Sabbath, Friday Mm -hmm. night, Saturday night. Now, they still came to worship on Sunday. Yeah. They did think of Sunday as the Lord's Day. Yeah. But they they separated Sabbath and the Lord's Day, which is something we don't do in no. modern. That changed pretty quickly. It was like 2nd, yeah. 3rd century, Irenaeus, um, Justin Martyr. There's a whole bunch of people in the 2nd, 3rd century who basically made the case. Um, it had nothing to do with when we should rest, but they said, you are worship. So stopping and delighting in the Lord should also happen at the same time of the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, which in the early church they did every single Sunday. And yeah. so the merging of Sabbath and Sunday really happened around their understanding of the Lord's Supper. Yeah. Um, they also, so there's a passage in Hebrews chapter four, I believe it's verse nine, where the author's talking about this Sabbath rest continuing, but he grounds it in the finished work of Christ. And so a lot of these people in the second and third century took it even more from not just Saturday to Sunday, but let's make this a more spiritual thing than something we have to get legalistic about in actually physically resting one day. Right. So they sort of spiritualized it. And then I think it was even through Augustine, so that's like fourth century, mm-hmm. kind of stayed that spiritual outlook of Sabbath. Um, interestingly, Thomas Aquinas uh, who was a Catholic theologian and philosopher kind of pushed back on that and brought back the idea of like, no, you should actually stop working for a full day <laughs> of the week. Um, and then, like I said, the reformers, even though they were pushing back on a lot of Catholicism, kind of went back to that idea of rest. The Puritans were kind of sticklers for it. Yeah. Um, interestingly, the Eastern Orthodox, um, they all kept it on Saturday, like mm-hmm. their entire church history, never never changed it. it didn't bother them that the lord's day was sunday but sabbath was saturday yeah um so like you were saying ministers do it differently church history shows that people have disagreed on this literally since the first century yeah um but just to answer the question like for me um as much as i love sundays here and i do uh-huh. like waking up extra early buying donuts and then like i'm an introvert and I love talking to people, but usually by 1230 or one, whenever we leave here, like I'm spent you <laughs> I'm done. Like, like it is hard for me to have a conversation after that. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, usually it does mean, you know, even if it's like a one hour nap before coming back up here for Sunday night, like, it's like I need an hour of, yeah <laughs> of introvert me time. Um, yeah. So for me, and again, I'm saying publicly, I may be wrong on this. Like, I'm not convinced that it's the the right thing to do especially after reading how much different theologians have argued about this but I do think um, that it should be grounded not just in the Ten Commandments or the law like I would say that this is not a salvation issue at all. It has yeah. nothing to do with whether you're saved or not but I think Comer has a point and it's either going to be a delight or a discipline Yeah. and I've experienced the discipline side of things and it's like I would rather round my week in the way that God created things and find that time of rest. Yeah. So for me that's
0: Saturdays. Well, and in, in, I I personally I don't think it's a bad thing to separate like they did and say this is a day of rest because think about it. You go from Sunday to to Friday. You've got your 9 to 5, your 8 to 5, whatever that looks like. You've got all the games, all the practices but then what do we do as a Western culture? We're like, Oh, Saturday's a free day, a baseball tournament. Let's go. You know, and it, it can't be 30 minutes from your house. Like it has to be three hours away in some podunk part of Texas where you have to take and, and see all these parents yell at an umpire for the next, like, you know, full day. I never, I, I had a friend that did tournament softball when I was in high school and I never understood the dynamic of that until I went to one of these tournaments one time and I was like, you're still playing like this is <laughs> I'm going to get a sunburn and like, yeah, isn't it great? No, no. Like all of this is awful to me. We, I mean, we made it a point where we even told ourselves when we had kids, we said, we, we don't mind our kids playing a sport. We don't mind our kids playing something, but it will not be something that takes up every single weekend. Um, we, we still want to have those times together and, um, Thankfully, our kids right now aren't sport ball kids, so we don't have to worry about that. They'd rather sit around and read a book, play music, things like that. But that was, a, that was a thing for us to say, we've got to preserve that time. We can't, and of course, Sundays were always off the table. Wednesdays were always off the tables. Like if they got to practice on Sundays or Wednesdays or a tournament, I mean, we're out. There's just nothing we can do about that. Because I think for us, and I think for me, the understanding of Sabbath as being that Friday, Saturday, you need that rest. You need yeah. that ability to step back from the week and go, oh, you get to breathe. And just breathe in um
1: So one more scripture that I think is relevant to that conversation is Colossians two, sixteen and seventeen. And Paul has this phrase where he says, like, don't pass judgment on and then there's like a list of things and one of them is Sabbath. Yeah. So I think as early as like the very foundation of the church in Paul's writings, yeah. He's he's already telling Christians and, you know, the Holy Spirit to us. This isn't something we have to be legalistic on, but I still think it's a good idea yeah. to implement some sort of rhythm, some sort of rest. And like I said, that doesn't just mean like you're on your couch watching Netflix, but like something that's enjoyable yeah, for you, for your family. Um, and that can look different for every single person. yeah. Um, but I do think it's something that is a good idea to implement.
0: Yeah. And, I, you know, I think that there are different things that you could do, especially for Um, like I think there are things that churches could do, like congregations can do as a whole, um, not just to protect Sabbath for themselves, but also protect that for their ministers. Um, because again, we, we hit on it. Churches go through ministers like crazy. I mean, it wasn't uncommon for us in seminary to hear the horror stories of ministry. And then to even read the statistics, I think in youth ministry, they said that most, most youth ministers at that time only lasted about a year and a half, to two years and then they either were fired or left ministry and never returned.
1: I think after doctors and lawyers, pastors are one of the like most frequent to burn out.
0: Yeah. I mean, and and it wasn't it wasn't uncommon for me to see a minister come through every 2 to 3 years at things. And you know, longevity was just not something they couldn't stay at a church. And and I would say it's twofold. I would say it's not always the congregation's fault. I'd no. say that there are times where some of those guys either number one, weren't called to ministry in the first place. And so they didn't even understand that. Or number two, their, their personality was not one that meshed well with that church. They didn't do a very good job praying and seeking the Lord and even entering that place.
1: Or they don't have boundaries.
0: Yeah. Or they don't. Yeah. Or they don't have boundaries. So there's a lot of different things that I think come along with that. And some of that's just maturity too. I think over the years, as you mature and grow as an individual, I mean, even as ministers, we do that. We still mature and we grow. So believe it or not, we're human. Um, but I think that that's kind of that reality too, that churches need to help respect and understand that not just for themselves as a congregation, but also for their staff. And, um, and and that may mean we don't try to program ourselves to a point where we feel like we have to have something all the time, but that we only do what we need to do. I think there's a simplification that comes with rest. Um, when, you have, when you have too many p- plates spinning, something's going to drop and something's going to fall. Something's going to break. But if you keep things at a point where it's manageable, when something does look like it's going to fall, or something does look like it's going to break. Instead of it trying to keep it spinning, you can maintain it and you can manage it better. And so I think that that's one of the things that we always have to be working on, not only as a church, but also as staff of how do we pull back from things that maybe don't have biblical importance and focus on what truly matters. And that's building community. That's being in God's word. That's really giving our energy and celebration of the Lord's day, like on Sunday mornings. Um, and that's also, I think, protecting our people, giving them an opportunity to rest. Um, we've, I've had a lot of people ask me and say, well, you never asked me to do this, or you never asked me to do this, you never asked me to do this. Because when I look at their life, they're already doing this other thing and this other thing and this other thing and this other thing. The last thing I want is for them to feel a burden that they have to come and be at the church to do one more thing during the week. It's like you're you already spent in all these other areas in your community or in your work or in your home or in your life. If I put you on a team, I'm thinking through, you've got this many kids, you've got this job, you've got this family, you've got these events that you got to go and, and do. I'm not going to put you on a team that requires you know, a monthly meeting. I'm going to put you on a team that's sporadic or that's... and um, and, but that's also protecting your people. And as ministers, we think through all of those things, uh, we want to protect our people because we don't want people to get burned out on our church. Um, so I, I think there's all of these different aspects that come into it. For me, Sabbath is definitely something that I have to figure out. <laughs> like we, we don't have it figured out in our family. Um, and we are not shy to say that we don't have that figured out. We desperately want rest. Like we desperately want to have time where we can do, and I think even sabbaticals, um, sabbaticals may seem like they're frivolous because, like, well, why are we, why are we paying you guys to take a week off every two years? It's like, well, I'll be honest, I can't count how many vacation days I've let go because there's been church activities, and I just there's no time in there to take off. Um, the only time I've ever taken any vacation is when a kid's born, because there's no paternity leave, so I have to use up all my vacation days for that. So, uh, it it is what it is. But even then, I'm not getting a break. Like I'm I'm taking time with my family and spending time introducing that, and then I have to come back. So, I think the churches churches themselves need to look at and say, what kind of spiritual growth do we need? what are we asking our ministers to do that's either going to help or hinder our spiritual growth? You know, or are we asking them to do something that they can't accomplish because we're asking too much time of them or we you know, so there's, there's a million questions that we could throw out there. Um, but I think it just kind of boils down to churches have to get to a point to understand that we, all of us collectively ministers, congregation included, we need to plan intentional times of rest in our week and in our lives. If God can create the entire universe and our world and what we know to exist today within a, uh, period of quote unquote six days, uh, you, I mean, it depends on who you are on that. You can go back and forth, <laughs> whether it's a thousand years, a hundred days, 10 days, 24 hour period, 48, hours, whatever it looks like, he still created in that time a period where he rested
1: yeah, and what's super interesting, I didn't bring it up when we talked about it at the beginning, but like some people think it's really weird that God rested, but it, it the word also has that idea of delight in it. It's like he looked at his creation and was like proud of what he had done. Yeah. And so like when I was thinking about preaching on this, like the analogy I was going to give was like when I mow my yard and there's like not one blade of grass like sticking up and it's like <laughs> like you just, you're relaxed. It feels good. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm proud of this. And And the idea is that like you know, we're not trying to tell you to be lazy. Like you're still supposed to work six days a week. Yeah. But you're supposed to be able to stop and just be thankful for what you have. It's like it's like a mini Thanksgiving every week. Yeah. I'm not saying you gotta have a turkey and stuff, but like yeah. it is a time to reflect, to be thankful, to stop. Um, and if me saying like I choose to do this on Saturday isn't controversial enough, like I think I've heard comer talk going even further for people who do like shift work, you know, whether it's at a factory or nursing or police officer or whatever, like like if you know you have every Tuesday off like or something you know random like yeah like make that your rhythm yeah the idea is that there was a rhythm put in place where God rested and delighted and all of those things yeah it's like okay that may be literally a different day of the week for seven of us yeah but if we were a people who like when guests walked in the door they're like everybody here just seems so like relaxed and happy yeah, and, and doing chill. well yeah. and like it's like how how awesome would that be? I mean, I remember um, this was when we were doing the whole brunch thing before Ellie and we were really really sabbathing. Like, I almost felt guilty when people asked how I was doing because I was like, great. <laughs> like, I almost feel bad because I don't have anything to complain about. Like, I'm not too busy, I'm not too tired. Like, I feel yeah. bad for how well I'm doing in this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, it, it'd be so interesting to like get up on a Sunday morning and be like man, I don't know how you guys are
1: feeling. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like, this fantastic.
0: Is a fantastic day. Um, instead of just going, hey, we're here. We made it. Okay, let's just get through the word real quick. <laughs> and so, um, But I, I think there's more that we could probably jump into on this. And there's probably more um, that we could extensively do as it related to Sabbath. I mean, we could probably break it down even further. But I think the overall message that if we could communicate to you guys as ministers, we, we have to find a new rhythm in our lives to Sabbath because you know, we are responsible to shepherd our congregation and to shepherd our flock. And we understand that. And if, I mean, if you recognize a shepherd doesn't necessarily always have a break, like you have that one sheet that'll run off and you're like, ah, oh, I gotta go find it. <laughs> um, but as a shepherd we, in in our congregation, we desperately want to be available to try and guide and lead and do. Um, at the same time, we have to protect ourselves to make sure that we are, um, taking care of ourselves. So I would say that we probably are both in agreement that there's a Sabbath day. That's, that's kind of a Friday, Saturday. Like we agree that that's the, and then there's that Lord's day where we come together and we have scripture and we have worship, we have community. Uh, we get to be a part, we get to kick our week off, um, with this idea that we've spent some time with the Lord and spent some time with people in the Lord. So I don't know what that's going to look like for any of you who's listening. Um, but our overall tone I think is try to find an intentional time to rest and delight in the things of the Lord. Um, whether it's you look at, look at your family as they're all kind of hanging out in the living room and you go, man, this is so good. I get to do that. Especially on like rainy days like yesterday. Um, or if it's in mowing the lawn and, and you get to see your accomplishment and you go, wow, it's so cool getting to see and smell and interact with God's creation in this way. Rest can look different. It doesn't always mean that you're going to sit up in bed, pillows propped up, eyes closed, and you're just going to be taking a nap all day. Um, Rest is just being able to, again, stop and smell the roses. And uh, so we want to encourage you guys to do that. Uh, Any other thoughts you want to give before we close her out? No, just wanted to say if you uh,
1: have any thoughts, whether you agree, disagree, have other questions feel free to text or email us and we can uh, maybe do a part two if this is controversial.
0: Yeah. Or if you disagree, keep your thoughts to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> let us know. Um, but it's always fun getting to do these and we hope that you guys are enjoying listening to them. Um, please don't forget to subscribe and like so that you can be aware of when podcasts are coming out. We try every week to, to put these out on Wednesdays. So just be looking for those and uh, we want to encourage you guys again. Still, if there's any comments or suggestions y'all have, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, we uh, are always looking for content. We are always looking for things. Um, we've got we've got some questions now. We could probably cover the rest of the year, um, but we want to try to spread out and do as much as we can. And hopefully, we're going to have some in- interviews with members coming up. We've talked about this aspect. That may be something where we release a couple episodes a week at that point point. one would be kind of a topic that we're looking at the other one would be like a member interview where you can get to know people in our church as opposed to just me and travis so um but we're excited that that god is doing some good things through this that he's he's working in your life every week and uh we hope that we uh can at least be a little bit of a blessing to you so have a blessed week and we look forward to hearing from you